It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh yeah. We are back. Bashamania. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks, but we're back trying to become more consistent. This is episode 170. My boy Mike Mock is back. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just got back last night, actually. And man, does it feel good to be home. Yeah, I gotta imagine that it, it's so cool to travel. You know, I have so many friends where it's like not even just the wrestlers, but like the families. And, and talking to them like Lauren Burroughs and others, like seeing how cool some of these places are. But it's always got to be cool when you're gone for like eight, nine, ten days to get back to the United States. Greatest place yeah. on earth. Yeah, no, that's great, man. I uh, I enjoyed sleeping in my own bed last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So we're going to we're going to take some time to <clears throat> discuss different storylines from the world championships. We're not going to break down every match and result, but kind of go through a bunch of the storylines. This podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Attack. Attack is an app for athletes. It's an AI strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist, mentality mentor, all in one great app, your age, your goals, your program. If you want to level up, Attack can help you. It has everything from mindset technique to physical wrestling technique to workout nutrition help. It is truly an app that gives you everything you need in your pocket. And Mike, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I had nothing like this as a potential, like if you were very middle-class, like I was, there was no option to get an app to pay a monthly fee to do whatever. It's like, you either had a trainer, you either had coaches or you didn't, I didn't. So everybody should definitely take advantage of the attack app, ATAC. It's on the Apple app store. It's in the Google play store, download attack. Thank you to attack for being the greatest podcast sponsor we've had ever. Um, All right, Mike. First Yo. of all, I've seen you at a lot of these international tournaments. What are you like on a coaching level? What What's the connection to you going to all these tournaments? Yeah. So to be honest, I have no idea. It's just, uh, <laughs> I've just somehow ended up at all these terms. I competed in Poland myself. And then right after I went straight to Rome and got to help coach uh, cadets, especially because I help out with, uh, Zach Ryder here and there uh, whenever I can. And so was basically wrestling him every single day that week at cadets. And then I roomed with James green the whole week at cadet world. So it helping James with whatever he needed. And yep. and <clears throat> before that I was in Colorado Springs for national team camp. And so basically I was gone the whole, entire month of July from North Carolina. Cause before that I went to Alex Staringer's wedding and then went to KD's up in New York to teach a clinic, went from there to national team camp, then went from there to Charlotte to teach a two-day clinic with Ashnault and Nathan Tomasello. And then from there, I flew from Charlotte to Poland, Poland to Rome. Then I came back to Raleigh August 1st, was here for 10 days, then went to camp. Then came back to Raleigh for like a couple of days and then went straight to Germany and Serbia. So I just got back. So I've been grinding hard, man. I, I guess that's why your Instagram bio is be where your feet are because you're never in the same <laughs> spot at once. <laughs> <laughs> for very long. It's weird, man. Summers are so busy. Um, so I'm gonna have obviously like 
our next competition isn't for a while. So it's not like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'll finally get to slow down a little bit and just focus on training and improving. But no, it's been cool, man. It's a, uh, I've got to, it feels like I'm part of USAW staff. It's weird. It but looks not- that way. Yeah. You see cadets, you see juniors, you see seniors, and you see you there. So it's awesome. I'm grateful for you. I texted you like, dude, let's let's hop on and do an episode. Um, Kind of just talk through some of the storylines. There's so much to talk about, and I'm sure there's so there's so many different things we're probably not gonna cover. So for the crybabies, they're like, why didn't you talk about this or that? Like, I cover certain things, and you know. I guess it's a good segue into Greco. I sometimes get crap for not talking more about Greco or posting on Bash Mania more about Greco. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like if Greco is your thing as a fan and you want to try to give Greco more love, then post about it, share about it. Like I was talking to Corby last night and we were talking about the sport and and some of the nuances. And it's like, for me, my biggest allegiance is to my friends and clients. And a lot of times that's on the senior level. Once you guys graduate, especially, I really build these relationships and I want to help promote the senior level and all my clients, all my friends are all men's freestyle. So that's naturally where I gravitate towards. I do think we need people to push every different thing. I was on Josiah from Fanco stream a couple of weeks ago about is wrestling growing and it's no doubt growing. But it takes people with these micro niches to help grow the sport. I love that Fanco's just, you know, he primarily, for the most part, talks college wrestling. That's great. Wrestling changed my life. Ryan, he's talking about how wrestling impacted people who are out of the sport now, but they're successful CEOs and stuff. So it's great. Um, so I, I don't follow the Greco side of it too closely, but like on the junior world championships, I had posted a graphic of like, you know, men's freestyle, two champions, four medals, women's freestyle, one champion, six medals, second place, men's freestyle, third place, women's freestyle. And in the bottom little corner, I put like Greco finished with one bronze medal. And it's like, look at Greco needs to improve as a program. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not going to pretend like I, I have. Will, I, will, I will say this. I will say this. Um, obviously, people know about the the change in leadership that's happened recently. Um, and we go to camp at the same time Greco's at camp. So when we have national team camp, Greco's has has having their camp and their training practice, their practice time is different from ours. As soon as they finish, we're starting. Yeah. But they practice twice a day, just like we do. But, um, you know, I think the previous leadership wasn't bad. You know, we had Jangel Hancock meddling, Max Nowry actually, you know, has had some solid performances and he was close this year, obviously didn't play um, or medal, but he was in the bronze medal match. And, yep. um, man, they're, the training just looks different. Um, there's, it, it seems like the structure is uh, – it seems like there's a little bit more of it. And not that there was a structure before, but uh, I feel like the new leadership that I've seen from the outside looking in, just coming to practice early before our own and, and watching them finish up and seeing the things that they're doing, I mean, man, they prepared hard these past two months and it'll be really interesting to see how they continue to progress under the new leadership because um, 
the new leadership is hungry. They want to be good, bad. I mean, yep. and they're they're taking things very, very seriously. They're not playing any games. They expect a lot out of their Greco athletes. And they only had two months <clears throat> to help get these guys ready for the world championships. <clears throat> but like I said, man, um, I think there's like an exciting aura about it just because it's different. It's new, um, you know, and uh, I think the Greco guys are excited as well. So, but to also touch on the, the Fanco thing where you're talking about, you know, these little niches, I think, you know, you do individual podcast interviews with men's freestyle athletes and stuff like that. And you get to hear the storylines and, and, and I feel like if there was somebody, whoever's listening, if you're a Greco fan and you want to start doing this, by all means, go ahead. But yeah. just going out and, and finding a way to get in contact with these Greco senior level athletes, getting their storylines out there and, and, and having them share the behind the scenes stuff and the things and the trials and all the emotional aspects of just the journey as a Greco athlete and, yep. and get fans bought in and, they, and feel like they're developing a personal relationship with those guys. Cause I feel like that's kind of where it starts too. Right. Yeah. I think there's two major things that helps growth in a sport and you're seeing it on the women's side and it's number one success winning creates relevance. It, sure. It's a lot harder to have somebody on here who that's lost the best, best way to build your brand right there. Right. Winning. And it's like, it's very hard to have somebody like, I think Kamal Bay, for example, is a stud. I think he's one tough dude. I think he has a incredible, incredible future. But if I were to have him on here after, I think he had like one match, one loss at the world championships, I think. Um, And it's like, no, no disrespect to him, but it's like, that's not going to draw people in. If you go, Oh, and one, it's very hard to like, to, to pick the storyline on telling the story. So I think you, you got to win and you have to, you do have to get people along for the ride, have the Kamals tell their story, have the Brax Namos tell their story, these other guys, but it is harder if there's not more success and there's not more winning, because if you're talking about obstacles or adversity or growth, it's easier to tell the story on the other side. When you're yeah. just in the in the grind of it, it, it's harder. So I think there's going to be an opportunity. I am eager for them to have some success. Um, I, I, if I had to guess, I feel like they'll they'll start to make improvements even even more just with from what I've seen, you know. And we'll see, you know. Obviously, at the end of the day, senior level success is ultimately up to the individual athlete. Yep. Are you taking ownership of your own career? Are you taking responsibility? Um, for the decisions that you're making outside of the room that are going to help prepare you and separate you from the rest of the, the field, you know, so, but yeah. leadership does matter. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of leadership, that's a good segue <laughs> to women's freestyle. I think yeah. we are seeing such incredible uh-huh. things. Right. Dog. Right. <laughs> I, yes. I think we're seeing such incredible things in women's freestyle. And there's so many cool storylines for women's freestyle at the world championships. I think, you know, arguably the biggest one is Amit Elor. I mean, here in the past 14 months, she's won junior world championships, senior world championships, going back to back. She's the first, I believe she's the first American to ever win cadet junior and seniors. I'm not sure if anybody else has done that. I know Gable won a cadet and a junior in an Olympic. 
Um, so he he's definitely right there in that same conversation. But from a world's juniors cadets, and this girl <laughs> is a freaking phenom, 18 years old. And for those asking, I've DM'd her like three times since she won the junior world championships to try to get her on here. If anybody listening has a direct connect to her, text her, DM her, tell her I want to have her on here. She doesn't follow me, so it's probably just like in a DM request. Um, I definitely want to get her on here, but I mean, just 18 years old, even like you, you talk about the excitement for the future of women's wrestling. Like you had Snyder win it at 19. And I remember being in Vegas for the worlds and how exciting that was. Yeah. She's 18 dominating on the senior level dominating. Yeah. It's nuts, man. That is, uh, yeah, there's not much else to say, man. Just <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? She's a beast, you know? She, and, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. That's just She's nuts. so good. And I think it, it's always a, not a scary thing, but you know, it's, if you follow college wrestling a lot, there's always that. I think it happens, especially in college wrestling where, you have somebody, you follow these athletes up and then let's say Penn state, for example, you know, they have these years where all of a sudden they lose like four incredible seniors at once. And now it's like Penn state will never be the same again. And then you have these young cats come up and now boom, 2022, five NCAA champions. And I think we're seeing that kind of happen in women's freestyle where a lot of these women we've gone through a couple cycles now, or some of the previous stars and faces of women's wrestling are gone. And you're seeing some of them like Helen Maroulis, time, eight time world and Olympic medalist. That's just crazy. And as you have these people at the kind of tail end of their career, you need these young stars to come up and now be the face. And it's amazing to see the success because now when you talk about growth of something like women's wrestling, I've said it for years in this podcast. It takes looking up and seeing somebody having the success to have the three, four, five, six-year-old girls say, I want to be an Olympic champ. I want to be a world champ. And you're starting to see that next generation come up and have success. And I think it's an incredible thing. Yeah. And now the new goals won't just be, I want to be a world Olympic champ. I want to be a multiple-time world Olympic champ. I want to be yep. a multiple-time world Olympic medalist because that's becoming the standard. and I think that's what's so exciting about the current era of wrestling we're in right now. I think the last time we had eight medals at the Olympics was in 1984 when there were <clears throat> Russia boycotted the Olympic Games and we had eight, eight medalists. Team USA had eight medalists, which is kind of similar because Russia wasn't present at this World Championships and we had eight medalists. Yeah. But I think, <clears throat> you know, you can argue all you want. I don't think it takes away at all from the performance we had this weekend just because – Everybody wrestled so incredibly well. And to have just, we had what, seven finalists? No, eight finalists, right? No. Eight finalists and eight gross finalists wrestled for a ninth medal. And, and Zilmer lost to Petrus really. And I don't know how Petrus really lost to, I mean, think about that. Petrus really was five seconds away from being an Olympic champion. And look at like their. Right. And he ended up getting upset. But if Petrus really doesn't get upset and have for whatever some sort of match where he gets, you know, Zilmer's wrestling in, in the repertage and, and potentially wrestling for a medal as well. So there was a, ch a chance that we could have had 10 guys wrestling for a medal, which have been which would have been insane. Yep. And 
you're getting ahead of me a little bit because I want to talk all about Russia and, okay. and everything men's freestyle. Um, women's freestyle, though, it's it's crazy because there was such good success on the women's side where you had Dom Parrish win gold, which was awesome to see. Sarah oh. Hildebrandt tacked on another bronze. Helen Marulis got another silver. Um, Kayla Miracle, another silver. Tamara Mensa stock back on top, world gold, beat the Japanese women. Um, Amit Laura, obviously a gold medalist. So here you have one, two, Mallory Velt got a, a bronze. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven medalists in the women's side. And one of the reasons I think that's so important is Japan is no joke. The, the Japanese women are some of the most incredibly talented athletes around. And humble brag for the men's freestyle, they scored 198. But the Japanese women scored 190 points in women's freestyle. 190. And the women scored 157, which was drastically less than them. But they literally still had seven medalists, which was absolutely incredible. And I think a lot of the a lot of the women that took silver or bronze are right there. The, the Sarah Hildebrands, Kayla Miracle, like this isn't like we got lucky with a bronze and a good draw. Yeah. Like they're right there. And I mean, I, I'd say figure Japan won at the weight. Sarah took a bronze. Japan won where um forgot her name, beat Helen in the finals. Another Japanese one beat Kayla in the finals. So it's just, it's crazy. But going to your point of men's freestyle, these lunatics who put the asterisk there because Russia's not there. I mean, I don't think that makes a difference. It, it doesn't. And here's the thing. If you look at our athletes, Yanni lost in the finals to John right. Kozak from Flo mm -hmm. said like the Iranian coaches were like, watch this guy. He's like, he's Donnie number two. He is a freaking stud. But aside from that one match, Yanni wrestled his best tournament I've ever seen. It doesn't matter if Russia was there or not. Like, if you look at all the champions that are on the men's freestyle lineup, Gilman returning medalist, Dake, Burroughs, Taylor, you tell me, like, okay, so maybe Dake loses to Sidikoff and gets a silver or a bronze instead. Like, we're not talking about, like, accidentally winning medals here. We're talking about if Rush is there, maybe you have somebody taking a different medal. That's how I look at it. I don't think, like, it would be some drastic, oh, my gosh, Rush is there, every American loses. We have arguably, not arguably, we have the best team in men's freestyle that we've ever had. Yeah, sure. It's almost too easy if Russia's not there. No doubt. No doubt there's a different feel when Russia's not there. But you can't say when you have Burroughs winning his seventh World Olympic gold. <laughs> you have David Taylor. You have Kyle Dake winning more. Kyle Dake now a four-time world champ. David Taylor beating Yazdani for the fourth time. These not are just, like... Not just, not just beating him, though. Dominating him. Dominating. The score it's was 7-1. Like, I was asking a friend of mine, I'm like, so is Taylor Yazdani even a rivalry? <laughs> I mean, Yazdani is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. He's by yeah. far, I think, the most popular in the world. I mean, his Instagram. Yeah, world his, I mean, like his engagement is through the roof be, for a reason. Like 
He's a superstar. Three million followers. Three million followers on Instagram. For That's context, true. Burroughs has like 830,000. And you see how big Jordan is. Yeah. It's like, and there's a reason he's this big. And David owns him. It's crazy. But yeah, this whole Russian asterisk thing, like, nobody's going to look back and, and say, like, for all these medals, all these team titles, everything else, like, well, Russia wasn't there. Okay, go compete. Who cares? Like, I didn't like that. I don't like that asterisk stuff. And I think what's interesting, too, is you have fans that might discredit it. But, you know, from if you're on the inside and you're on the on the ground where everything's happening, I mean, Russia still gives us a lot of respect for our performance this weekend. I mean, you know, you had guys reaching out to other guys, congratulating them on their world championships and stuff like that, who are also former champions. And it's like, that's cool, you know, yeah. and. And uh, I think that speaks for itself, right? It's it's the performance this weekend was incredible, man. And I don't think that there's anything that you can, someone can say that'll, that'll take away from that. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about some of the individual storylines here. We talked about Taylor beating Asdani again. Right. Um, Zane ended a six or Yanni ended a 16 year drought at 65 kilos and Yanni's my boy. I sponsor him um, through Bash Solutions. I, he's grew up 10 minutes from me. I I know him very well. I know he did not want a silver. I know he didn't just go there looking to end a drought. He went there looking to become a world champ. And if you look at his matches, destroyed Bajrang. Teched Bajrang, then Tex Rivera avenged his loss from last year at the Worlds. Like, he just wrestled so... Rivera's in the mix. Rivera's in the mix. Right. Rivera-Bajring was an awesome match. Like, it's crazy the level of depth the U.S. has right now, where if you look at, like, Rivera was wrestling Bajring for a bronze. Michich won a bronze, training at Michigan. Ethan Ramos... He's barely been, you know, his, his, he's, he was in the bronze medal match at 86 kilos. Yep. And he wasn't even training for a couple of years because he was living in Mongolia, you know? So, it's, <laughs> you know, now he was, at, he's down at Duke now, but you know, I mean, I think that in and of itself too, right? Yep. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, Snyder, good to see him back on top. Did you see the little back and forth with Snyder and said you live on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, I did. This so year. I don't know your thoughts, but but a couple of thoughts. I I don't really hate that Sedgu Lives like inserting him into the conversation, inserting himself in the conversation. I think in the sport, like you gotta play good guy, bad guy, and if he's trying to play the bad guy, play the villain, I think it works. If he's trying to be sincere and like, well, hey, you won, but I wasn't there. I, I guess we lose context, especially when there's a language barrier and there's translations and you don't know how he actually said it Yeah. But for the people saying like, Oh, we need to make this match happen. No, we don't. It, it does not hold enough weight. If it's not at worlds, Kyle Snyder's back on top. He's a gold medalist. He's the returning gold medalist. Now said you live can take a shot at him at worlds next year. Snyder does not need to prove anything in my book. 
He's already beaten Sedgulaya before. He's a world multiple. Flipping the narrative a little bit. I like that. Flipping he, it on his head a little bit. I think I, I like think the, the context matters. Like <laughs> Snyder's the Snyder's the reigning world <laughs> champ. Like if <laughs> I and even if they wrestle. Tell him, tell him, tell him <laughs> let him he, know. <laughs> well, because I you know there oh man, there's so many great US. Iran battles right now. You look at Yanni and I don't know how to pronounce his opponent's name. Amazad. Like if you look at if you look at their match, if you look at um Burroughs beating the young Iranian, Taylor Yazdani, Jaden and Gasimpour, like that's one, two, three, four US Iran finals. There's no doubt I'd love to see some of these at the World Cup but it never holds weight like the world championships. Like when Taylor went into Iran in 2017 and Pinya's donning his home gym, it kind of stunned a lot of people. But if he didn't do the world championships, it wouldn't have mattered nearly as much. Yeah, so I agree. I think I, it, you can also make the argument that it's not the world championships and guys aren't training as hard. Yep. They're not peaking for that. Some guys might be out of shape. They're not really focusing on the World Cup as much. But you know, if you're showing up at the World Championships, correct, you're you're on your A game, and if you get beat at the World Championships, and there is no argument because if you're not on your A game, that's nobody's fault but your own. Yep. Right. But you can have you can have an excuse. You can you can you can add throw an excuse here and there if it's in the off season or if it's a couple yep. months later at the World Cup in December. So I mean, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I personally. If I, if I had to make a call right now, I would say Iran is not going to come to the World Cup. I think that the whole passport issue they had last year, I, I honestly don't know if it would be much different this year. I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah. I'm also very curious to see what their perspective is on whether or not they even want to compete. You oh, they heard. want to compete. They, they, I mean, it, here's the thing. You know, we're in the – Jane and I are – up in the the doping area where they got to do testing after the finals. Yep. And uh, Jaden tweet, you know, Jaden was up there. He's waiting, and and Gassenpour is up there. And the team doctor who has been living in Canada for nine years, but is from Iran, sp- spoke English really well. And he basically is translating. And we're all just sitting back waiting for these guys to hydrate up so they can do the doping test. And uh, we're just having full blown conversation, just like we're having now. Yep. And it's me, Gassenport, Jaden, their team doctor, and, and Andrew Ernst, our, our trainer. And we're just – it's like fellowship, man. And we're asking questions like, yo, um, about Iran. He's asking about the U.S. And we're talking about when are you guys coming to compete. And, you know, yep. Gassenport's talking about, man, I wanted to compete in the U.S. so bad. I want to go so bad. I, there's two times where I had That's a chance awesome. to go. We weren't able to go. And so, I mean, I think the relation – plus, the Iranians love Jaden. It's nuts. <laughs> they love him. Well, and, even after Jordan beat the right. Iranian in the finals, yeah. the crowd was going they nuts for Americans, Jordan. Man. They love Americans. And if you even ask them, too, about, you know, how they feel about, you know, when you have to forfeit, I don't necessarily believe that the athletes want to do that. I think it's yep, I agree. a political thing. And I think that if you don't, your wrestling career is over, right? And so um, it, it's a tough position where – you know, you're kind of constricted by 
the political regime and what your government requires you to do and what their motives are. But if it's athlete to athlete, it almost doesn't even matter. And it's so cool to be able to see how just sport transcends everything, man. And I think there's a lot of respect down on the floor from athlete to athlete. And I don't think that people necessarily get to see that all the time. And, and I think it's something that's really, really special. And so, you know, to answer your question, you don't know if I ran, I think I ran would love to go. I think the athletes yeah. would love to go. I think they, that would be like almost a dream come true for them because they know how competitive the environment will be. They know how many fans would show up if they show up. But I think it's just, it, it's tough, man. I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen either. No, I, I agree. And, and, and that was definitely a, a open-ended question of I don't know how much they want to compete, which I think you just did an awesome job answering. Right. I will say this. While I say that it doesn't matter nearly as much getting a win outside of world championships, I do think both sides want that, and I do think it's great for wrestling. If sure. if Yanni gets that rematch and he wins, and then you have the rematch of the world championships, that's More electric. It's more hype behind it. Correct. So I do think it should happen. I do think it's awesome when it does. I'm just not the person like when when you see Snyder and Sigil Live going back and forth. I don't think, oh, my gosh, we have to make a match. It's probably going to happen. World championships happen. I think let that play its course. Now, if it happens, amazing. It's only better for the sport and for the fans when there's more competitions. You know, I was talking with another buddy of mine yesterday about one of the negatives to all of our success is if you start having these guys that don't want to compete too often because it's like David Taylor had had a, a crazy year last year. So I'm not picking up picking on him by this, but like we don't, he goes to the world championships. We don't see him till final accident in the world championships. You're only getting to see one of the best wrestlers America's ever had twice in a year. You know, and it's one of those things where it's like one of the reasons I was so happy for gross making the team and I I, date and fix awesome kid. But like, I loved seeing gross make the team strictly because I love seeing somebody who competes every and any chance they get make the team because now you can follow those guys more and more and more. You want to see the Yanni's compete and evolve. You want to see these guys and it's going to be very interesting over the next year, you know, how often we see these guys. And I do think the more we see them, the better. And I do think that the more success some of our athletes have, the less incentivized they are to compete because they don't really need to get too much better. And they don't really, there's not a heck of a lot of financial incentive. I think Joe Kenya, if I'm saying his name right, um, he had a tweet yesterday that was spot on about where so much of the money comes from. Oh, was it also one where he's talking about ADCC, right? Kind of comparing the two? Or yeah, just- well, what, what he was saying, I'll, I'll read his tweet. He was saying, charity structures keeping wrestling stagnant, in my opinion. Metal bonuses or training salaries from donors give top athletes no reason to compete professionally. There is economic growth model that way. Just fundraise more and we're pretty tapped out as it is. There's no ROI on world medals. Money going in doesn't produce money coming out. Makes no sense that someone compete for 5,000 an event and turn a profit when they have a hundred thousand salary to train for worlds, but there's no way to scale those hundred thousand dollar salaries because nobody's making money. I think he's spot on. I think it's very interesting where it's like, 
I want these wrestlers to make as much money as possible, but they're not incentivized really to compete because that money's hard to come by. I think they're not incentivized to compete because of that, but also partially because of the way the structure is set up with Final X, the way seedings are determined through performance at previous competitions. Because here's the thing. If you're a returning medalist, you automatically get to sit in Final X. You don't have to go to the U.S. Open. If you do go to the U.S. Open and you somehow get upset by somebody that catches you in who knows what, right? It can happen to anybody. It's happened yep. to some of the best guys before. It's, it's part of sport. It's part of what makes sport incredible because anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. And I think that's part of what makes sports so exciting. Nothing is ever completely guaranteed. Now, with that being said, if I don't wrestle, guess what is guaranteed? My spot of Final X and my seating yeah. in the finals, right? So it's, it's, and I, it's, it's just interesting, right? Because um, in the past, Final X was not a thing. That is a more recent thing. And the structure was where you would go to U.S. Open, you win the Open, and that would put you, sit, that would sit you in the finals of world team trials. Um, and so the structures changed over the years. That's kind of, I think, incentivized medalists to kind of sit out from some of these domestic tournaments because USA wrestling wants to protect their medalists. Part of the reason why they want to protect their medalists is because the more medals we get, the more support we get from the USOPC, the better it looks for our national governing body, et cetera, et cetera. And so obviously that's, that's why they, they've created the, the things that the way they've created them. But yeah. again, I think it goes back to medals, 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 medals. The more medals, the better. And if you have guys that are meddling, we want to, we want to not, you want to protect them, but you, you basically want to structure the, the climate for, for wrestling to, to be in a position to repeat that success and potentially have more of it. Yeah. And so it is hard to beat a current medalist, but if you do it, and you medal, guess what? Now it's it's better for you. And, and so the hardest part is is knocking the guys off top. But once you're sitting on top, you're you're kind of allowed to chill just because that's yep. the way the system has incentivized it. And as, as, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I to, to be explicitly clear, because there's so many times yeah. I say stuff and you're just kind of going back and forth like a very loose conversation. You some things get taken out of context. If I'm David Taylor, I don't know that I'm doing anything different. He's got M2. He's yeah. got two little precious girls at home. Like yep. he's got K2 roots. Him and his wife do like these athletes are doing stuff for the betterment of their careers, their livelihoods. I'm not knocking those decisions. And I can't say if I'm in that decision, I'm doing anything different. I'm right. strictly talking about it from a fan growth standpoint. Absolutely. After, after David Taylor, Kyle Dake and Jordan Burroughs for the first time since Taylor, Taylor and Dake started making world teams, all three of them got a gold medal. It's the first time that's happened since uh, Dake and Taylor. Not just one either. Not Correct. Just either. Because I, I put the graphic out that I think like every year it's been like two out of the three have gotten a gold medal, I think, or something like that. I tweeted it out. But it's like you they finally, all three of them win. Now you almost want to see the victory tour. You almost want to see the exhibitions. You want to see them on a flow card, on a Rockfin card, on a whatever, because it's like, especially for the young kids, like I've got a lot of friends who 
I've had a relationship with Burroughs for so long that my friends who don't even like wrestling tune in. Hey, when does Jordan wrestle? Hey, where can I watch it? Like you're creating these superstars that's drawing eyeballs into the sport because there's greatness. Like with Jordan, there's history being made. Jordan is now a seven time world and Olympic gold medal medalist. That's history. I don't know if we'll see that again. You know, it's, and if you think of like just how much it took Jordan to really like somebody's going to do documentary for documentary on this kid, someone's going to write books in this kid. And when you take, when you hyper focus, like my wife became a wrestling fan when we got married in 2019 and she saw how involved I am. She became a wrestling fan. All she knows is Jordan greatness in these last couple of years. But then when I'm like, Hey, in 2000, like 13, 14 and 15, right. it was him versus Dake, him versus Taylor, him versus Dake. I'm like, now they've spread out and they have 14 Don't world and Olympic gold medals among them 14 and Jordan held them back. You look at Jaden and Dake, Jaden and Taylor. When you look at the depth right now. So I, I think like when you have this level of, of talent and history being made, I do think the fans want to see that. But again, like we're, like we're saying, we we're incentivizing winning medals and we're doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, nah, man, I, I, here's the thing. I, I only know that because, you know, I'm on the AAC, which is like the Athlete Advisory Committee, which is supposed yep. to serve as a committee that's the voice of the, the athletes, right? So there's women's freestyle reps, there's men's Greco reps, there's men's freestyle reps. And so we sit on these meetings and we kind of learn how the organization runs and, and what its goals are and what its pillars are. And so, but you know, from, from a fan perspective, from a growth perspective, I think that there's things that I think will help elevate our sport. And I do think exactly what you're talking, talking about would help elevate wrestling. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, you know? So it's like, how do you do that? And how do you create a system that one helps continue to produce metals consistently, but also, creates incentive not just for medals but for competition and fan for for fans that they're able to to entertain because because yeah. that's what it is at the end of the day it's, it's entertainment for the fans and and as as senior level athletes that's what we love to do we love the crowd we love the energy we love when the building is packed to the brim and you hear the you know and, and fans are just going nuts and you know, we live and we train hard to compete in these environments because it's exciting. It's fun, man. I think the feeling that you get when you're in the arena and you have an environment like that is unreal. It's, it's special. And so, yeah, we compete because we want to be the best, but we also want to put on a show for the fans. And so, you know, how, how can we do that more often and, and in a way that helps not just grow the sport, but grows opportunities for us as athletes as well. Yep. And I think, you know, con continuing to talk about the different storylines, one of the storylines that I put on in Bashmania was that NLWC basically went four for four with yeah. medals, which is just crazy. 
Zane got a silver, Taylor gold, Snyder gold, Gilman silver. Yep. And I was talking to Jake Varner about it because the Nindy Line Wrestling Club has been a client of mine, Bash Solution, shout out, since 2012. And when the NLWC came on as a client, it was like Varner and Les Sigmund. That was the roster pretty much. And I that remember... 2011, 2012. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And that's nuts. Because I want to say, I can't remember if it was before the 2012 Worlds or Olympics or just after, but I, I know, I remember doing graphics and doing stuff for, for their site around the time when Varner won the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but to watch the evolution in, from a distance, you, you had to see this coming. As Penn State has success, and those wrestlers stick around and you have guys like David Taylor and Zane Rutherford sticking around. And then you have so much talent in the room that you're attracting the Snyders, the Gilmans to come to state college and compete. It is crazy what's happening in state college. And obviously I'm a Penn state fan. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I don't hide it. You're a Penn state fan. But it, it's crazy to see the NLWC and what they're building. And now the, the latest news was Dake joined the NLWC, which yep. is very interesting play to me. You know, they've got Nolf, they've got Carter around that weight. Um, I think there's a lot to be determined or a lot to be kind of figured out and see how it plays out. But, I mean, the state college is turning into the Dagestan of the U.S. Like, just the level of talent in that room I, I don't i almost don't want to tweet it out because like i know it's probably not going to obviously happen but there's a there's a shot and if i could bet it i would because it's such a long shot if you said that there could be an all nlwc olympic team in 2024 yeah, i saw that on uh, facebook i saw something like that i was like scrolling through my news feed look do i think it's going to happen no do i think it can right. you're you got Gilman on a team right now. Zane yeah. on a team right now. Dake's now there at 74. Taylor's on the team at 86. They already have, in theory, half of the Olympic team sitting on. Oh, and, and Snyder at 97. So there's four out of the six already that they have. You throw yeah. in a Kirk at heavyweight. Like, it, it's crazy to me how much of a potential it is probably not going to happen. If I could bet it, I would because of what a long shot it would be. I wouldn't bet even money, but you give me 20 to one, 30 to one, something like that. But um, it is crazy. I, I don't, I think it's just another supporting point for the argument that, I mean, they are becoming the best training situation in the country. Right. And so like, yep. yo, I'm a senior of an athlete. I'm still competing and I have the same aspirations to, to win World Olympic titles as well. And my first senior level competition was 2019, right? Hadn't wrestled in any senior level freestyle competitions prior to that. Um, but man, it hurts to say that because <laughs> but it's the truth, you know? And if I'm honest, that's the reality is they do have the best training situation right now in the U.S. because of just the amount of people in that room that are competing at a high level, that are hungry, that that do make the right decisions outside of the room. I mean, you got 
Kale Sanderson, who's an Olympic gold medalist. You got Jake Varner, who's an Olympic gold medalist. You got David Taylor, who's an Olympic gold medalist. You got Kyle Snyder, who's an Olympic gold medalist. You got Thomas Gilman, who's an Olympic bronze medalist. You got Kyle Dake now, who's an Olympic bronze medalist. And, and mind you, these guys are also multiple-time world champs, right? Like Kyle Dake just won his first world championship. And you also have Jaime Espinal, who was a finalist. I think either the world's or the Olympics. And then you have Franklin Gomez, who was also a world finalist at one point. Then you have Bekzad, who wrestles for Uzbekistan, who's in that room. So you don't just have domestic talent, but you have international talent. And so how many medalists is that? Bekzad, Jaime Espinal, Franklin Gomez, Jake Varner, Kale Sanderson, David Taylor, Kyle Dake, Thomas Gilman, Zane Rutherford, Kyle Snyder. Is that 10? I think so. I lost count. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it's, it's so, it's it's so I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of supporting points for that argument. And I think that's just an extra one, right? Now, again, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But is, do, is the talent there? For sure, right? Just because they, they do a good job developing developing guys, and I think part of that is because you are who you should surround yourself with, and when you see other guys who are champions, right, like naturally you're competitive as an athlete. So if I'm going to go into a room and get beat up, I'm not going to sit well with that and just accept it, right? I'm going to have to yeah. figure out what I got to do to elevate my game so I can come back the next day and get it dub myself. And so I think it's very much that iron sharpening iron type thing that, that happens within that room, and, and I think that's why it's such an attractive place to train. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the twenty, now that I think about the twenty twenty Olympic team, was four out of the six are now at MLWC, right? Which is which is just crazy, right? Um, it, it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out as it grows, and you have multiple guys at the same weight. You have the Dake Nolf, where it's like, how does that play out? Um, I will say too, the the one thing that I, I was kind of caught off guard by is I, I was surprised that Dake made the announcement so quick. And yeah. I personally, I think I would have made, um, thank your sponsors. Thank your current club. Thank your current coaches. I wait a couple days, wait a week to make that announcement. Um, yeah. that's just my take. I'm not in that position, but it, it did take me a little bit off guard. Um, because, you know, I see the comments already, like, when's Yanni going? Y Yanni ain't leaving Gray. Yanni will follow Gray into the deepest hole in the United States if Gray leaves. <laughs> People forget. Think, despite that, I mean, they still have a good thing going up there, right? Gwiz is up there now. Yeah. Um, you know, Vito is up there. You know, I, I think so many. Yanni's little brother's up there. Yeah. You know, so th there's still a lot of good things happening up in Ithaca and, um but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised. I kind of figured that's what would happen. But the rumor's the been there for – For sure. Everybody right. said that the rumor behind the scenes for everybody, not even just Penn State people, whatever, the rumor across the country has been after the Olympics, Dake's going to the MWC. Then it was after Norway, Dake's going to the MWC. Then it was after Serbia, Dake's going to the LWC. So the rumor's been there for two years. And I think the, you know, once him and Taylor officially went different weights, I think their friendship really grew. And I think, you know, you, you saw them training a lot. And I think that maybe it was a natural fit. I don't know. Um, but it is going to, 
it is going to be interesting to see how, how it evolves. I think Yanni's going to stay and become the face of that Cornell Spartan Combat RTC program. Sure. Um, he's now a world silver medalist. I think Yanni is only at the very, very beginning of his senior level success. Um, and I think he's going to create a nice environment around him, just like Kyle Dake did at Cornell. Uh, you know, Spartan Combat, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's interesting to see. This is kind of free. This is kind of the free agent season two now after Worlds and Olympics, where it happens every year, where athletes start changing up and they go different places. It's it's going to be kind of cool to see who goes where, who makes a change. Obviously, Date kind of kicked that off, wasting no time. Yeah. So, uh, I'm curious. Are you hearing any rumblings and anybody who? going somewhere else yeah i see you smiling right away uh i got no input on that. <laughs> um that's funny man. breaking news mike mock heading to state college <laughs> um, no, i think i think it's it's just wild man i uh yeah i don't know man the rich get richer right <laughs> capitalism you know? i love it <laughs> so it's, it's just wild to me and, and I still think it's just a crazy art. I saw that post and I was like, man, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but is it a possibility? It's not yeah. out of the realm of possibility. So it's just the fact that that's even a thing in itself is just crazy. You know? Um, I just think the reason why I don't, it, this sports is just so wild. You don't know if there's an injury that happens, God forbid, you know, Lord willing, no one at the senior level gets injured within the next two years because as a fellow athlete, you hate that. It's yeah. it's the worst, right? But there's so many uncontrollable variables. You don't know what's going to play a role in, in, in someone's performance or even if they're going to be able to go to the tournament. I mean, think about Spencer Lee wasn't able to go. Alex Daringer didn't even compete at the last Olympic trials because of surgery, you know? And who knows where he would have finished at the last Olympic trials if he would have been in the mix and been completely healthy because – I mean, he was on a rampage the past two years prior internationally where he was just blowing through guys at tournaments, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't know, but it, it's just – it's wild to think about, man. And I've said on this podcast a lot, you know, how important and how much it matters of timing and health. 100%. You get, you get somebody that – is, that is, That's the battle right there. That's right. the battle. And, yeah. and it's – it's outside of your realm. And that's why all the athletes I work with, I try to really help them understand. Like it's almost like winning the worlds, winning the Olympics. It's almost like that's the lottery ticket. Cause that's what grows from a brand standpoint. Cause that's what grows your brand so much. Sure. But if you look at that triangle of youth wrestlers, high school wrestlers, college wrestlers, senior level wrestlers, the field gets smaller and smaller and it gets harder and harder to have success as you continue to, to, to grow. And I think wrestling has taught me, I was a terrible wrestler, but it taught me so much about discipline and work ethic. And that led to success in marketing and business. So I think it's so important to understand that like there's only so much you can do at certain points and to build your brand, to do different things, to leverage and capitalize off the attention you have and do different things so that if you're not an NCAA champion, if you're not a world champion, if you're not these things, Leverage what you're learning, leverage the attention you're getting, leverage the excitement. It's always from a brand standpoint for me, 
it's very interesting to watch and see things play out. It's like one of the things that a lot of us were talking about in February and March and even January and back to November when he announced it was Soriano to Michigan. That seemed like James Green too, though, right? Who saw James Green retiring? Right. Yep. And all of a sudden an opportunity arose. Right. With Soriano, it's like you're 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 gonna start seeing financial opportunities on the NIL level instead of RTC. And for some athletes, like I'm sure Soriano got some beautiful NIL deals that going to Michigan was a one-year NCAA related thing. And now you hear nothing from him, nothing about him training at Michigan. You hear absolutely nothing. For me as a brand guy, that's crazy that he goes out there, goes to Michigan, wins NCAAs, and then from a brand standpoint, radio silence. It's crazy because, like, we're talking about timing and health. Excuse me. Do I think Soriano could have an incredible MMA career? 100%. Do I think a freak accident could happen? He could break a leg tomorrow and never do anything combat athlete-wise again? 100%. I hope it doesn't happen, but it's like right. you want to prepare for that. Leverage leverage your success. Leverage the opportunities you've been given and succeeded at. It is crazy to me if an NCAA champ goes radio silent when there was so much talk around you yeah. leading up to it. You know, so it's like, it's, and I, I personally think if if you're somebody that, um, I'm about to sneeze, I feel like, sorry, <laughs> that's allergy season. Doing a podcast is tough. In September. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, right, if, if you're an individual who doesn't want to do that and spend the time doing that. I personally think it's 100% worth the money to pay someone to do that for you. Yep. Because I don't think there's a substitute for personal brand growth. I don't yep. think that there's, it, it's only going to help you. It's, it's it. It'll only help you. The only thing that you might be concerned is with more visibility. Maybe you have to be a little bit more particular about what you say. Yep. But other than that, I don't, I, I think the upside outweighs the downside massively and the downside would only be whatever you're susceptible to being canceled but i think yep. cancel is dumb anyways right i think you got to be yourself yep. but i think it's if you're not going to be a guy and you're an athlete who who wants to grow your brand but you're also a guy who's like i think social media distracts me from my training and and being locked in then pay someone to do it for you so that way you don't have to waste your own time and energy doing it but you're still growing your brand right and it's like with you know a lot of times like I know I keep a lot of stuff to myself and I try to keep my social more towards my different businesses and the things I'm doing. But if you look at a guy like Soriano, like you said, have somebody post for you, you know, have somebody in your corner that it, it's fun for people that are in athletes corners where it's like, we're doing a complete revamp of jordanburrows.com complete revamp head to toe. Yanni's website, updated world silver medalist. Gilman's website, updated world silver medalist. Zane's website, updated. Like, it's fun for us in people's corners. Dude, I'm telling you, man, being invested with these guys for years. Oh, Levy has a blast doing stuff for JV, man. He, yeah, he loves it's it. like you, yeah. you get so invested. I don't know if there's any sport John out there. That, John Broughton, too, man. They're literally behind the scenes. They get to see yeah. everything that people wish they got to see it. And you feel like a coach, a trainer, that level of winning together 
in wrestling, there's no sport like wrestling where when you're in somebody's corner, you feel it in your stomach. Even if oh. you're watching at home, if you're in somebody's corner and they're your friend, like you feel the wins, you feel the losses. Right. And and we we love that because it's not robotic when we do something for somebody. It's like the athletes doing it. And I do think you're right. Like both the two you just mentioned and Tony Rotundo, those three, I put a post out I saw last that. week. They're, they're three unbelievable goats right now. You want to talk about wrestling content and growing the sport. That's what does it. Awareness, inside access. John is changing the game with the LWC. Before him, there was like no content. We do their website and we do a lot of like the back end stuff for golf registration and this outing and youth tournament. But from a front end content standpoint, they need somebody in state college getting content out. That's what everybody wants to see right now. You figure you want to see content this week from all these guys that meddled. You want to see what they're doing. You want to see the excitement. You know, it's like one of the best things in sports content is the UFC videos the week leading up to a fight. Yeah. I watch embedded even if I don't watch the fights. It's such good <laughs> content. The way they the way they build it up. And I think after would, would be cool to see it too. Um but yeah, those those three are just absolutely killing it in content. I would love to see RTCs start to put resources aside to bring in full-time video guys to create content, not just for the club, but also for the college program if they wanted to. Well, and you're starting and to see that. Stone, right? And I, I think you are, right? Because you got Levy at UPenn now, who was working with JB, but also as part of UPenn now. And then you got John at NLWC. And obviously you have senior level guys who individually – pay for content guys but i would like to see clubs start to be willing to be more open-minded with that because i think too it's just going to help the brand of the university and the rtc itself not just the brand of the personal athletes of the individual athletes and i think that's important for fundraising um i think that's important for recruiting i think it's a i think it's a win-win across the board and i hope that college coaches or boards of regional training centers start to, to figure that out and start making that. that and I, I think you're seeing it on the college level, especially with NIL. I know Ramos, Tony was talking on the podcast before about what he does at UNC and getting photographers and trying to get the athletes content. And I think it's only getting easier because like somebody like John isn't full-time NLWC. He works for the NLWC he does stuff with Penn State. He does stuff with Scrap Life. He's doing stuff with the athletes. He's doing stuff with Bo Nickel. It's like you can, as a content creator, you don't need one full-time job. If you're in an area, you can go. And if I'm going to North Carolina and I say, Mike, I want to create a little bit of content for you. Wolfpack RTC, I want to create a little content for you. NC State, I want to create some content for you. You can yep. almost freelance yourself out as a mini business and take on these different take on these different clients as clients take on these different areas and you know you're able to make good money and it's cost effective to the athlete to the RTCs to the colleges and i do think we're going to see that more and more as time goes forward yeah i agree i agree um and i think it's just it's exciting man 
it's an exciting time to be part of USA Wrestling. Period, man. It it is. It it's we've never had a better time in American wrestling history. I don't yeah. believe we've ever. There's so much, like we have so many guys and women who are bringing something to the table that's changing the game. Like we have Jordan Burroughs competing right now. We're not going to say that in a couple of years. When you when you and I are doing a podcast in 10 years from now, we're like, remember when Jordan Burroughs was competing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's such a diff, it's such a crazy time. It's like we've got Snyder who's still, what is he, 26 years old? 26. And how many medals does he have now? Eight, I want to say. That's crazy. Let me look that Jaden's up. got six medals now. Jaden Cox has six medals now, I believe. Kyle has gold, silver at the Olympics. Gold, 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 silver, silver, bronze at the Worlds. Eight World and Olympic medals at only yep. 26. Yep. Jaden Cox, also 26, I believe, or 27, and has six, six World medals. Kyle Dake has how many World medals? He's four for four again with Worlds, and then he's got bronze at the Olympics, so he's got five. five. David Taylor has how many medals? Three, 2018, 2020, 2021. No, four, three golds and a silver. Yeah, four. Dude, it's the new standard, man. It's right, the I new told standard. you, 14 gold medals between Burroughs, Dake, and Taylor. 14. Crazy. That, like, the, the level of greatness that is, is just crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing that you're seeing it on both the women's freestyle and the men's freestyle. The fact that the, the women's freestyle team had seven medals and all these people are like, Oh, you know, us eight medals, no Russia. How about the women? Japan was there seven medals, <laughs> yeah. seven medals. Yep. And Japan was there. So it's like, come on. I mean, you figure 15 medals, which I think ties the record. I didn't break the record. We did break the, the record for most points scored the world championships. The U.S. scored 198 men's freestyle, which broke the record. Kind of reminds um, me of cadets. I very much felt like the aura and the energy uh, uh, during and around the event was very much reminiscent of cadets for me because I was at yeah. cadets. And those kids just... We're smacking everybody. I mean, they they had the point scoring record. They were team champions. Yeah, and it just very much reminded me of that that week. And I'm like, man, what a time to be part of USA Wrestling because it's it's from the bottom, it's from the top down. It's it's at the youth level and the senior level. Yep. And dude, if you think about it too, like that's a great point because I don't follow the cadets near. Like, usually once a guy gets to college, that's when I start kind of following them. Yeah. And. So I don't follow cadets too much. Juniors, I'm 50-50. But if you look at, like, if you think 2024 and 2028, and you think about some of the cadets and juniors on their way up to the senior level, and you look at some of the senior levels, like the, the battles we could have over the next four to six, four to eight years of, like, who's that young guy who's going to challenge a 30-year-old Snyder? Who's the young guy who's going to challenge a 30-year-old Jaden Cox in four years? You know what I mean? Like, the... Our cadet teams, our junior teams are smashing people. Our cadets team, like you just said, breaking points records as well. It's not like the next generation isn't ready and just as hungry to right. keep that same level of what the seniors are doing now. Yeah, from the grassroots up, man. It's uh, 
it's crazy. It's it's a it's like I said. It, I think you hit it right on the head. It's it's a it's one. Of, it might be the best era for USA wrestling. I think we we're we're in that time, and I think fans should appreciate it for what it is because um, it's special, man. It is. And pivoting just a little bit to one of our final topics here. Um, I don't remember who said it yesterday. Maybe it was Corby who mentioned how he wishes UFC fight pass would get involved with wrestling. Oh man, that'd be sick. I would love to see that. Cause that happened. I tweeted out a couple of times. Oh, Somebody needs to call Uncle Chael. <laughs> I know it's gotta happen. I tweeted out a couple of times cause I was, I was upset with flow for the stream going down during gross's match. And I think what drives me nuts the most is that they, is that they just straight up ignore it. That's what I, I co-own a hosting company. I understand the importance of downtime and sites going offline. I understand incidences. It's just crazy to me that if you have an issue and your PR strategy is silence and retreat and you never talk about it, you can't do that every single time. Just come out and say, guys, there's, there's an issue with UWW's feed. We're sorry we're working on it. Just acknowledge it. It's such a pet peeve to me that we have all these streaming issues that never get acknowledged. So that's what I don't, I can't remember if that's what was starting the fight pass conversation, but we were talking about streaming and Rockfin and flow and all these things. UFC fight pass, they could do some beautiful things. You know, we talked about some of these matchups we want to see and see our guys competing through the year. That is a huge opportunity for more matches to happen, more cards to happen, more mainstream attention to be in the sport. Would definitely love to see that. I would love to see that too. It would be interesting to see how that dynamic affects the landscape of who's producing content, right? Because does UFC Fight Pass do a better job than Flow? How often do events start working with UFC Fight Pass more than Flow? Is there a little competition that starts? Does that competition make the content overall just be better because it's competitive, right? And does that make wrestling better, period? Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting topic. I, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see that unfold over the next couple of years if UFC Fight Pass does get involved. It's a, streaming is a tough, tough business. It's there's it too. They're streaming the super match, and I thought they did a fantastic job with that event. Well, Rudis lost a ton of money. That's the problem. Still, well-run event. still, still well run event. A, a, an amazing event. Amazing. Rudis did absolutely amazing. awesome. The problem I thought it was, is, thought it was great. The problem with it is, if that event loses money, you're not right. going to see it again. Right. So it's like, can we like Rudis nailed that event to a T with the exception of the time it was way too long. I think I left halfway through because I'm like, huh. I know what a long day NCAA's is going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Like I, I got to get back to the hotel and get some rest. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for all the if people Rudis, crying. If Rudis is losing money, does UFC Fight Pass lose money? by streaming events and working with wrestling. The rumor is that Rudis lost money. I don't know if they actually did. That's just the word, word you know, that's spread through the back end. I shouldn't yeah. say that I know that infinitely. Um, <laughs> but when, you know, and even like with the rumor, like Rudis lost money, the reason these companies do it is 
using fake numbers. If Brutus spent $250,000 on the event and the event generated them $100,000, they could still look at it as net positive if over the next year it created so much awareness that mm. they're signing more wrestlers, selling more apparel. Companies look at... I don't or it a, just creates excitement for the next event and they make money on the next event. Correct. You know? And it's like, if you look at like the gambling companies right now, they're the quintessential thing to look at when it comes to a business spending money and not caring about losing it because they know of different things later on. So I don't think losing money is the end all. I don't think, or I don't know if Rudis did this event to make money on the event or if Rudis just did it to throw their hat in the ring, to get the brand awareness, to get the credibility. Dude, even behind, like, where the wrestlers were warming up in the back at the Rudis super match was top-notch. They sacrificed nothing. They had big screens back there, great warm-up areas. Like, it, it was it was a great, great ran event. So I hope we see more of those. I hope we see a super match too soon. I hope so too, man. Just don't do it for six hours the night before NCAAs. <laughs> All right, Mike. So I can wrestle on the card. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike definitely needs to get on the card. If you're looking for him, he'll be in State College training with the NLWC. <laughs> it's too Justin. Oh my gosh! I bet you would love that, wouldn't you, Mister Penn State fan? <laughs> you know, it's funny because oh people, my gosh, people were texting me like, "Give me school. trouble, man! Come on, dude." <laughs> I think people think that I want everybody to train with the NWC. I really don't. I like rooting for people in different areas and for those yeah. programs to grow and be successful. So um, I am rooting for you. I appreciate so, it. Uh, I appreciate you, man. I do want you on the next card, whoever's doing one. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much any final thoughts on Worlds that you got. Dude, it was awesome, man. I'm thankful that I got to go um, as a training partner again for the third time. Um, which is awesome. But at some point too, it gets, <laughs> you're like, all right, man, I, I don't want my whole career to be a training partner, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it honestly makes you hungrier. Um, yeah. But I think what's special too is I think the coolest part about being able to go be a part of these two weeks is every single time I've gone, you see fellow competitors, peers, and and support staff and everybody put their egos aside to yeah. give these 10 guys in the organization, whatever it is that they need to be in a position to mentally and emotionally and physically feel like they are ready to go and yeah. compete at their best. And you just, it, it's everything for two weeks is just seamless and everybody's pouring into these guys and, and I think uh, it was just cool to see and be a part of because it really becomes a team. It really, really feels like it becomes a team. And when that happens um, and you have that type of unity and camaraderie and cohesiveness, you get performances like these. And, and you know, at the end of the day, those guys are going out there and they're competing and doing the work themselves. And that's what we want. That's what we hope for. Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you're there for those two weeks, you do whatever it is you can to help those guys, you know, get what they need. And so that, that that's a cool experience. And now you shift your mindset back to start grinding on your own for your own, for your own, you know, stuff. But 
um, it's cool, man. And I'm thankful that I get to be a part of play a very, very, very small, small part of uh, a role in, in uh, history, you know? So it was a historic performance for us. And so I'm thankful that I got to be there for that. And you're one of the good guys, Mike. So I'm glad USA wrestling has you. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you, bro. All right, Mike, go enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thank you for hopping on, everybody. That was Bash Mania episode 170. And the beat goes on.